Hi everyone, it's Melissa Pemberton here, host of Mending Families, where we will talk all things parenting, trauma, and healing. On today's episode, my friend Danielle Labar joins me and we talk about her becoming a foster parent and adopting and all that happens in between. I think you'll be inspired by all that she shares today as she's a single mom who owns her own business, is so involved in her community, and still is able to find time to be present for her kids and to continue on her own journey of growth and healing. I'm excited for you to hear our conversation. Here we go. Well, welcome, Danielle. How are you today? Thank you. I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. I'm so glad. Yay. (laughs) Well, um, I just would love for you to start out by just telling us a little bit about yourself. Just introduce yourself to everyone. All right. Well, my name is Danielle LaVar. I am um, a realtor by trade. Um, I have my own real estate company. Um, I'm also a mom to three um, and a foster mom. Okay. You do so much more than that. (laughs) Wait a second. Um, you also have a podcast. Oh yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which we had, um, Cassie on a couple of weeks ago. So we've already talked a little bit about the podcast. So our listeners have heard, but, um, I love love your podcast. I think it's so fun because especially this season, when you guys are doing the, um, the legal cases, it's so interesting because even though I'm not a realtor, I still love listening to it because I'm like, Oh my gosh. And then I find myself trying to figure out what I would do. I just feel like I could easily just step into being a realtor after listening to your podcast. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So you're a podcaster. You also do a lot of stuff in our community. Yeah. We have a few different things that I am involved in the, um, you know, political side of things a little bit, um, with the members association. And then, um, we do have a nonprofit that, Mm -hmm. you know, that we've started to contribute back to the community. And then you also co-own some other businesses in town, correct? I do. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You just want to feed me all the things. Like I was like, oh, I have a nice little snippet. I'll give you. (laughs) No, no, you do a lot. You do a lot. So that kind of leads me into my first question is like, you do do a lot. You do have your hands in a lot of different pots and you still are so present for your kids and are an amazing mama. So how do you know when to say yes and when to say no? Well, that's a good question. You know, I really follow my gut a lot to be totally honest. Like there are times where I have over like agreed to things that maybe I shouldn't have, you know, and then I feel like start to feel overwhelmed. And I think I've just gotten better over the years of what, what is like, I call it my deepest wisdom. Like what's my deepest Mm -hmm. wisdom thing? Like, is this something that there's a reason to do it? Like it's fulfilling something in me or fulfilling something for my family or my kids. Um, and if not, then I just, I just say no. And I I don't feel bad. Like there was a period of time where, I was like, oh, I should do this. You know, Mm -hmm. my mom like definitely leans into that a lot. And so I used to think that, and now I'm, I don't, I don't feel bad at all. (laughs) I'm just like, sorry, can't do it. Or it just doesn't work. And so how do you balance it all? Like, how do you do all the things? It feels like chaos in my brain a lot. I'm not going to lie. Like I said that to someone the other day, they're like, oh, you, it seems so graceful the way you do everything. And I said, internally, it feels like I just live in chaos all the time. Um, but you know, I think 
for me, I I'm really, I've learned to be good at prioritizing and setting my schedule. Like I'm a planner type person and that's the only way I keep things straight. And I really start my, the first things I put in my planner are things that are non-negotiable to me. Okay. My kids, their activities, stuff I have like that fulfill me as a human, like hanging out with friends or stuff like that. Like that all goes in my weekly planner first. And then from there, I fit in appointments with clients or business meetings or all of that kind of stuff. And that's the way my brain operates. And I'm able to look at it and be like, okay, here's where we're at. Here's where we have downtime. You know, if someone asks me to do something, can I fit it in or not? Um, But I also have the benefit of, because I'm self-employed, I have flexibility where some people don't have that flexibility, which I love, you know, it allows me to do a lot more. That, that makes complete sense. Okay. So you mentioned at the beginning when you give your little list of things that you do, um, that you're a foster mom. And so kind of along the same lines of like saying yes, what led you to say yes to foster care? Wow. Okay. So I grew up around foster care. My stepmom and my father did fostering for um, newborns for a very long time. Um, and I grew up in a big family with, I'm the oldest of six. Mm-hmm. Um, so between like my sets of parents. And so I always enjoyed, um, helping out kids and stuff like that. It's just something that's always been near and dear to my heart. I've always volunteered in that. And so I became a CASA okay. um, when I was 21. Can you just pause really quick and tell people what a CASA is? Cause not everybody will know. Sure. So, um, a CASA is a court appointed special advocate, I think is what it stands yep. for. I forget now. Yep. Um, but it's basically, or like guardian ad litems, another term, but usually those are attorneys. And basically where your job for the court is to speak on the best interest of the child. So you're not associated with like parents or foster care, parent, foster care providers or the state, or it's just for the kid. Okay. And yeah. so you kind of go and like you, I'd interview all sorts of people associated with the case. I'd sit in on all sorts of different meetings and whatnot, um, and really kind of get an overall picture of what was happening. So I could report back to the judge. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So you did that. I did that for a long time. And then I had kids and decided I didn't think I could handle Mm -hmm. all of that while I was a mom or especially of young children. And so I knew I wanted to foster. Um, and then I have, um, of course, you know, like it's just me, I'm a single mom and I had my oldest and I was like, I really don't want, I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm somebody who wants to parent young kids forever. Like, oh, I'll raise my kids and then I'll foster. And I was just Mm kind of like, I don't really think that's where I'm at. I think I'd rather (laughs) just like (laughs) have young kids all at once. And then, you know, and so then of course I had my son and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to move forward with trying to foster. And so Mm -hmm. that's what led me into it. Plus I was surrounded by a community of people who also fostered. So it made it seem so much more doable of like, yeah. Oh, okay. Like I'm seeing all these other people do it. And, um, I don't know, I think it was very encouraging to be yeah. surrounded by that. So kind of talking about your support system, then you have an amazing support system, um, between neighbors, friends, and your family. It, you, you just have like the best family. Me and John talk about that all the time. How like, we wish that every family was like your family, but, um, <laughs> 
So my question then along those lines is, I know there's a lot of people who um, maybe aren't parenting kids from hard or kids who have experienced trauma, but they're like in, they are the support system for those kids. So how, how does your support system do it so well? Like what tips and advice would you give to our listeners who maybe aren't parenting, but are the support system? Oh, that's so good. You know, I feel like, well, one, I I do. I'm very fortunate that I have such an amazing sports system. Like I think about Mm -hmm. that all the time, top Mm -hmm. of my like gratefulness (laughs) um, chart every day. Um, And I think part of it is that my support system comes from like, they're healthy. And I think okay. that that's really important is like, even if you're not the person parenting the kid, like mm-hmm. you also have to be in a healthy mindset, you know, you have to be like in a growth mindset. And I think that that's really helpful, um, as a support person, because it's really easy to see behaviors in the kids and not understand them. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, even with my own kids, honestly, like I'm the only one, I'm the only child, I guess, in my family who has kids. Like my, mm-hmm. I'm the only one with grandkids for my parents, you know? Yeah. So like my younger brother sometimes can be like, oh, why are kids doing this? Like they have yeah. this thing. My family is very much like, we don't shy away from confrontation. So it's, yeah. you know, I'll tell my brother, oh, it's so great. Like people who aren't parents have the best parenting advice. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. Usually get them to like, be quiet. But yeah. um, I, uh, I think like that's part of it is like, you have to listen to the parent, you Mm -hmm. know, and really like understand, like if you're watching them parent in a way that you're like, that doesn't make sense. You need to draw this line or you're trying to like be more strict than the parent, like really listen to where they're coming from and Mm -hmm. understand why they're doing the things the way they're doing and ask questions and, you know, and be willing to step in and help out too. I think that like my support system is huge like that. Like if I need childcare, I need a break or whatever, they're always willing to lend a hand. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a beautiful way to support the foster parent or parents as well as the kids. Yeah. I liked um, what you said about being in a space where you're willing to have a growth mindset and be able to like see outside of yourself that this isn't about me and what I think is best, but what's actually best for the child. Yes. So you're in the trenches, like you are parenting, you are doing foster care still, but you've also adopted. So you're no stranger to hard behaviors. And so how do you make sure you are still in a space of growth and healing for yourself so that you can be the best for your kids? Yeah. I I think that's like the hardest part to be totally honest with you is, um, especially as a single parent, like there's no tap out, you know, there's no like, I mean, there is in my support system, but it's not like in home, like, yeah, I can't do this right now. I need you to come and do bedtime or whatever. Like, that's just not a thing I have. And so, um, I kind of realized early on that I needed to figure out that. And so sometimes I would like to put myself in timeout to just remove myself from this situation. Especially when they were all little, like I was like, okay, I'm going to take a break and just sit down. (laughs) (laughs) I would find somewhere to sit. Um, and just let the chaos unfold and then just get myself together and move on. And, but what's helped me do that and help me learn is, um, finding growth opportunities. Like I've been in counseling for years and years at this point, okay. I'm always finding new ways to grow. I'm mm-hmm. taking parenting classes, um, through you. And then I've also taken some through the state of mm-hmm. um, like PRI stuff and just 
finding the knowledge I can find where I can, you know, I, knowing I don't know everything, like I don't know everything about parenting. I came from a healthy background, I think for the most part, but I still don't know everything about parenting and I still get triggered and I still, it's hard to deal with screaming kids sometimes. And Mm -hmm. Um, just really figuring out like, okay, what is that affecting in me? And then going to the places where there's opportunities to learn about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Tell me a little bit about your foster care journey. Um, well, I got licensed about four years ago and, um, our first placement was like three days after getting licensed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I remember her arriving the first day and it was a really unique situation because she was coming from kind of from family and they realized they couldn't do it, which was fine. But so we kind of did like a play date before, and then we just transitioned to like overnight and then she just stayed and she stayed and she's adopted Mm -hmm. now. And so Mm -hmm. like, it was, um, it was a brutal journey though. I'm not going to lie. Like it was Mm -hmm. probably so emotionally exhausting for me and for her and from my kids. Um, and that was really, I don't think anything could have quite prepared me for the emotional up and downs. And I think yeah. if I had that counseling, it would have been really a struggle. And then since then I've had, um, a few, I think maybe four temporary placements. Sure. Um, and for the most part, like we just had a little girl go home, not home, went to a relative yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was with us for about five days. Um, and so every kid's different. Um, we've mm-hmm. had yeah. just like fit so well and it's mm-hmm. just it's so easy. And then we've had like a cup one that was really a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> I had for like three and a half weeks and it felt like forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he's like, in a place now where he needs to go. And I think that was a really important one for me to realize, like, it's okay to say, I'm, I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to let the social worker know. And thankfully she was amazing and mm-hmm. another home for him, but, but yeah, that's kind of my journey in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like you maybe have had to have some good boundaries during foster care. How, how do you do that? And then like, how do you learn how to have boundaries? Where did you get that from? Okay. So in foster care, I would say, um, one thing I feel like is really helpful is I know for a long time, I would hear things from people like, oh my gosh, the social workers, oh my gosh, these people, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whatever it was, there was always someone like I would hear from people that was like, so difficult. And not to say I haven't experienced that, but I always go into every single meeting of like, this person's great. They're going to be wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really helped because overall, it has been a frustrating experience at times, but the individual, it's more the, it's the individual people have always been very helpful. And I think to keeping that mindset of like, it's not a me versus them. Yeah. It's like a, we're working together. And it felt like that a lot. Like we had some amazing social workers who were just like, I always felt like they kept me in the know, which is a big thing for me. Like, I don't have to know everything, but I also kind of need to map things out. And so yeah. when I feel like there's not communication. That's a really hard thing for me as a foster parent. And thankfully for the most part, we've had wonderful people. And so, but on top of that, like finding the place to set boundaries has been, um, it kind of goes back to like the soul searching of like, is this working? Like at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, what I've realized is if I am not parenting, if I don't have enough capacity to parent my children, well, Mm -hmm. do what's best for the ones that are already in my home. So like my two biological and my adopted child, then I'm not good to, I'm not good for anybody. 
Like I have to be able to parent them first. And so that helps drive a lot of my ability to say yes or no. And then like the kiddo who was, was a bigger challenge for me. Um, I just realized like, I'm a single parent. I can't parent a child who has that much need. And also my other three. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's been helpful. Like I've had help along the way, like that social worker at one point I told her, well, I could keep him for one more week if you can't find a home for him. And she's was fabulous. And she said, no. Yeah. Yeah. You, she's like, I hear you. I hear you that you, yeah, (laughs) that's good. I I get you. I know you want to know, like you're trying to do like be helpful, but the reality of the situation is, is he's going to go to a place where yes, he may not be in a foster home temporarily, but like where he's going, like there's not going to be an animal he can hurt. There's not going to be little kids hurt. Like you need to do this for you and that's okay. So don't say you can take him another week because then that will, you know, everyone will stop looking. And so that was helpful. Like that was a good reminder for me of like keeping that boundary when Mm -hmm. I felt kind of torn on it. Mm -hmm. And I think boundaries in general, I, it's something I've just learned, like it's taken a long time to learn boundaries. It's not something we're always taught growing up Yeah. Um, to an extent. I think I was, but I've just learned to, to just figure out what works for me and my family and yeah. just know that it's okay. If people are bothered by the boundary, that's yeah. not my problem. <laughs> my problem is making sure that I do it in a kind way, but also that, you know, I'm protecting my peace and my kids peace. Yeah. I recently heard someone say that boundaries are saying yes to me and not no to you. So it's not like you're saying no to, you know, this placement, you were saying yes to you and your kids and that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think boundaries can be misconstrued to be like that. You're saying no to that child or no to, you know, the, the situation when it's really just you saying yes to you and your kids. I feel like when you really truly hold, come from a place of boundaries where, um, you're doing what you know is right. Like deep down, you're like, this Mm -hmm. is what the right choice is. It all works out the way it's supposed to. Like that little boy went to a home where she could give him one-on-one and he's doing so much better now. Like that wouldn't have happened in my house. And if I had held on to it because it would have made me feel bad. Like that's really selfish as opposed to just setting a boundary that I knew needed to happen. And it just all worked out. That's good. Yeah. So we're coming to the end of our time already. Can you believe it? I know it's going by fast. Um, but I just have a couple more questions for you. Okay. So the first one is what do you wish more people would ask about foster care or adoption? I do think something that's really huge for me in asking for foster care and adoption is like, how can I grow as a parent and really help these kids? And then something that's really important to me is how do I help kids that are maybe not from my culture? How do I truly understand Mm. that? How do I support children who are raised in a different culture Mm -hmm. or, um, I think that's so important um, mm-hmm. to really be open to learning ways to support all kids the way they need to be supported and yeah. not the way that you, that people think they should be supported. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, what do they say? The platinum or like treat others the way they need to be treated. They want to yeah. be treated. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's really important. And I, so I think like foster parents really should ask, like, what does this really look like? And, and where can I find growth to 
constantly be learning. I think yeah. it, you get into foster care and you think, I don't know, I had different thoughts on it than mm-hmm. what the reality has been. And, and part of me is like, I don't know what all you can ask to really prepare yourself, but the more knowledge, the better. How did you do that? How did you look at your child's culture and learn and grow to do what was best for her? I think part of it, well, part of it is just being surrounded by the people I'm surrounded, to be honest, like Mm -hmm. you and Cass, all these people who have been in through things like this. And then it's really helped to like lean on that when Mm -hmm. you're unsure of like, what's the right thing to do? Or how do I go Mm -hmm. about this? Um, And then when it comes to culture, like my children are also of, you know, mixed culture, Mm -hmm. mixed places. And so there was part of that, like, I've already had to learn how to do like my bio for my biological kids. Like I've already had Mm -hmm. to learn like different hair and different stuff that then I needed to do for myself. And so I think that helped me. Yeah. Um, But then also being in like my adopted daughter as part of the ICW. um, Okay. Um, so the Indian child welfare. And so that just listening to things and things that were important, um, really, I think brought up to me things I needed to be like seeking out, you know, like what is important? What should I be looking for? And then, um, sometimes family, I feel like can help with that depending on what the case is as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a little bit of that in our case, but so much of it came from just like listening to what was important during the court case. Yeah. Yeah. And paying attention to what you're learning and hearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Last question. Okay. What are three resources that you would recommend to um, somebody who is maybe not necessarily in foster care or adoption, but just realizing like they need to find their own healing and kind of do better for their kids and their family as a whole unit. Well, of course I would recommend your classes. Aw, thanks. <laughs> I didn't pay you to say that. No, you didn't. <laughs> but I have found so much growth and healing um, in your class, uh, specifically the one that we did, the um my gosh. sense of your worth. Yes. Oh yeah. my gosh. So like, good. Amazing. Um, and I think that that was huge, um, TBRI classes and courses okay. have been so great. I really loved, um, I like the science behind that. Those yeah. courses, I feel like that for my brain, that's so helpful. Like, like mm-hmm. I remember one talking about the barrier between the left and right brain and how that's yeah. bigger for kids who have been through trauma. And that works from the way my brain Yeah. Works. It makes sense for you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, So I think that's huge. And then lastly, I would say counseling, like find a counselor you fit with, you know, like not every counselor is the same, but finding one that you like fit with. And um, I remember a counselor saying they're not responsible for honesty in counseling. Like you have to come bearing that. Yeah. You know, they're not going to dig and be like, oh, are you being, so I think the other portion of counseling is just really being vulnerable and open. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think that's important. Yeah. Cause we can't grow and heal if we are constantly masking the part mm-hmm. of us that needs to grow and heal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Exactly. Um, how did you kind of along the same lines, how did you find your counselor? It was, rec- she was recommended by a friend, my current. Okay. Counselor. Okay. And, um, it was funny because my friend was going for marriage counseling. Okay. 
And I chatted with my counselor and she's like, actually, I do this whole other type of counseling. And it is like very different from standard counseling, but it works for me. Okay. I think you would really like this. I was like, great, let's try it. I'm very open to all things. So (laughs) why not? Um, So that was kind of how I found her. Um, Okay. I'd gone through like looking through phone books and whatnot. And I had a couple that I didn't click with. And then I've had some that have been phenomenal. So Mm -hmm. Um, you just kind of skirted over that she, you said something about how she doesn't do like typical counseling. Her counseling is called healing key way. It it is. There's like a program, like it's an actual thing. Yeah. She's a counselor who does it. It's like so hard to explain. It's not like a normal, like you sit and just, um, talk, you know, Okay. you know, where you just like go through all your feelings and stuff. We do do some of that, but it's like energy healing. Okay. And it's very interesting. Um, it's very interesting, but I love it. And okay. I am all about it. I've been doing it for like two and a half years at this point. I'm going to um, put more information about that in the show notes, because for me, I know that um, talk therapy is not, it doesn't work for everyone. Um, it, it can be beneficial to some people. And at some point, like it is good, um, but sometimes we have to go deeper. And so we've talked about EMDR on here before with other guests. And, um, so I just want to make sure that I'm giving resources in, cause not everybody, maybe EMDR doesn't work for everyone. And so, you know, what you have just mentioned could be an option. So I'm going to look that up and put more information about that in the show notes. And of course, also put more about TBRI and my classes so that our, um, listeners can learn more about that, but I appreciate all that you have shared today. Oh, you, you are just like a wealth. And I kept thinking about as, as I was trying to think about, okay, there's so many things I could have talked to you about today, Danielle. Honestly. <laughs> and so I had to just pick one lane. I had to pick one lane and maybe I'll have you come back another day and talk about other things. Um, <laughs> Cause I just knew that if I tried to cover it all, we'd be here for more than the time. Yes. That we have allotted. So <laughs> <laughs> you're the best. Thank you so much for having me on. This, this has been so great. Fun. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Wasn't Danielle just great? I love all that she has to say and how she is able to stay so level-headed and present for her kids and all that she has going on. She's such an inspiration to me and I hope that you were inspired by her story and her journey and all that she shared today. If you loved this episode as much as I did, I would ask that you would please go give me a five-star review because why not, right? (laughs) As always, subscribe, share with a friend. I'm so excited to be back with you guys next week and I'm looking forward to it. See you then. I'm so excited that you found this podcast and I hope you join me every week as you go through your own journey towards healing. One thing I truly believe in is that trauma awareness is so important to our future generations, and it starts with you.